It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What a win by the Boston Celtics. Most impressive win of the season? I think so. Let's do it. Millie's. Let's go. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it. Got a local feel like the red line. The blue line. The green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime. And press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's. It's the best way. Well, I didn't expect that. Boston Celtics beating the Utah Jazz 114-103 in the final game of this road trip on a back-to-back after a game in Portland, crossing over a time zone in altitude. I did not expect the Boston Celtics to play that game, a game that complete. Uh, I was surprised and pleasantly surprised and very impressed. I think this might be. The most impressive win of the season. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com. I'm back in Boston. I'm not in Utah. I'm back in Boston. I flew across country from Portland and watched most of this game on the plane. So I'm looking forward to re-watching this on a a big enough screen where I can get some of the the nuance. But I thought this game was a, a lot of fun. And the Celtics came out strong. Gave up a run, and on a back-to-back, I thought, okay, look, they, they're, they're going to come out strong. That's that's not really unexpected on a back-to-back. It's not surprising that they would come out with a lot of energy. It's uh, that That's usually, you know, coming into a game, you get yourself hype, you get yourself into this mental, this mental place, this... This kind of you you whip yourself into a frenzy, but then on the back to back, usually what'll happen is you'll lose that energy, uh, especially after halftime. And the Celtics not only didn't, they won both the third and the fourth quarters. They extended leads. They got big performances from everybody. Uh, everybody important. Well, okay. I shouldn't say that Gordon Hayward didn't have the biggest performance, but they got a lot of big performances in this game. So obviously we start with who else? Jason Tatum. And as, uh, Tom Westerholm tweeted after the game, he's kind of running out of running out of ways to say, Hey, how about Jason Tatum? Huh? But Hey, how about Jason Tatum? Huh? This is that dude right here, man. 13 of 20 shooting, 33 points, another 30-point game. He is uh, just playing out of his mind right now. In February, he's averaging 30.5 points per game. He's shooting 51% from the field, 50% from three, 78% from the line. I keep saying this is un- unsustainable because it's it's not a wing doesn't shoot 50% from the field. A, a guy who takes the shots that Tatum takes doesn't generally shoot 50% from the field. He certainly doesn't shoot 50% from three. 
at some point, at some point, he's going to come back down to earth, right? Like, I thought it might happen on this road trip, but clearly not. Clearly, he's just he's just on one right now. He is just playing with more confidence than 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 I ever realized. Like he is just playing with this level of confidence that is is driving him to to make some ridiculous shots. Really, honestly, ridiculous shots. He's he's hitting shots right now that he's never hit before or not uh, definitely not this consistently. So Tatum is just out of his mind. I, and I, I don't know any other way to put it. He's just playing out of his mind. The second quarter was the big quarter. Half of his points came in more than half of, of his points came in that cuz he had 18 in the second quarter, 7 of 9, 2 of 3 from 3, a couple of free throws. Uh just that if it wasn't for him in that second quarter, then maybe Utah pulls this thing out because that that second quarter was the duel between him and Donovan Mitchell, who had 37 on the night and was just awesome. In that second quarter, Donovan Mitchell had 20. And there was Tatum counteracting Donovan Mitchell's huge mega explosion that just, if it wasn't for Tatum doing what he did and and out-dueling, we're not out-dueling, but just dueling Donovan to a standstill, then the Jazz might turn around and and win this game. So Tatum obviously fuels things. But then also impressive performances overall from Jalen Brown, who was very good in the um, in the third quarter. The third quarter was, let me just pull up the third quarter numbers here, uh, Jalen Brown's big quarter, he had uh, 10 points in there, uh, four of six shooting, two of four from three. He was feeling it. Like Tatum went out, and it was like, all right, we need somebody to step up. And JB comes in, and just it's just like I was saying in the last podcast. Oh, by the way, I need to apologize for the ending of the last podcast, which was done at 3 a.m. in in Portland, and somehow the ending of that podcast got cut off. There's a point where like the last five minutes got cut off, and I only realized it as the thing was posting, and then I was like, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I've got to go to bed. So I apologize for the ending of yesterday's podcast. I was going on something about Daniel Tice, I'm sure it really wasn't that important, but I just wanted to put that out there. But as I was saying in yesterday's podcast, you have this Tatum-Brown dynamic again with both of these guys playing well. Like Jalen Brown had a very good game. 20 points on 8 of 16 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3. So he hits half of his shots. He uh, only one of two from the line. But six rebounds, a couple of assists, only one turnover. The Celtics, by the way, only eight turnovers on the game, which is unreal, unreal on a back-to-back. Uh, but Jalen Brown, also, you throw in a block for Jalen Brown. That's a that's a nice night. You look at that night, you're like, wow, man, this kid is good. And once again, I got to remind myself and 
everybody else, I guess, sometimes that, oh, by the way, Jalen Brown's really good. He just happens to be playing well at the same time that Jason Tatum is playing out of his damn mind. So, and Tatum, by the way, 11 rebounds, 33 points, 11 rebounds. So just a phenomenal combination, again, combining for more than 50 points. It's such a great combination with those two guys. And then in the fourth quarter, Marcus Smart goes off. Marcus Smart had the sequence in the fourth quarter that was just wild. Three straight threes out of nowhere, because that's what Marcus Smart does. He was 0 for 5 at, at that point from three. And then boom, 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 three straight threes. And then just when you think he's going to launch a heat check, and I was like, oh, here comes the air ball. He dumps one down. I think it was to Daniel Tice. Was it Daniel Tice or to Ennis Cantor? I forget who it was down low. But a phenomenal pass. And they get a bucket. So in the in the course of like a minute, he goes off and hits three shots, gets that assist, gets a steal. I mean, just a, a, a wild finish to the fourth quarter for him. Uh, I I gotta say the Celtics did a, a a wonderful job defensively. We didn't hear anything about Boyan Bogdanovich. Dude scored three points. He was nothing. He was a zero in this game. That's that was their key acquisition over the summer, and he's really good. And they they got nothing. Utah got nothing out of him. Marcus Smart had some turns on him and really did a good job. Rudy Gobert, non-factor in this game. Nine points, nine rebounds, couple of blocks, but nowhere near the impact that he should have in this game. The whole thing about the Celtics and the Jazz is they've got the size, they've got Rudy Gobert, they got the stifle tower and blah, blah, blah. The Celtics just neutralized them. They, they, they were hitting their shots, they were hitting their threes, Utah was not hitting their shots, and they didn't get anything going with Rudy Gobert. They, the Celtics did not let them get any sort of pick and roll going, and they did a fantastic job just limiting the Jazz, limiting some key players for the Jazz. It really was only Donovan Mitchell that went off. They got they got some numbers from Royce O'Neal. Uh, they got some numbers from Mike Conley, who didn't shoot well but got hot from three. They got a little bit of a contribution from like Jordan Clarkson off the bench, but he, he took a lot of shots. George Nyang, uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts own, by the way, uh, came in and did a couple of things, nice things, but like nothing big. So very impressed. I'm very impressed by this Boston Celtics performance. It was wild to hear everybody booing Gordon Hayward and Ennis Cantor. Uh, we're going to talk about that next. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. 
Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Boy, those Utah Jazz fans just don't forget, do they? (laughs) Uh, It's been a few years since Gordon Hayward left Utah, and those fans just relentlessly booing him every time he touched the ball, Um, which is fine. Uh, You know, they can do what they want. Um It's just wild that they are still, still uh, this upset. Considering that things have worked out fairly well for them, they've moved on pretty nicely. They've got a nice team. Uh, I'm not saying they should cheer the guy, but like, I don't know. It's it's kind of nuts to see how how much of a grudge they carry in Utah. And, uh, Ennis Cantor felt that too. Although Ennis Cantor on his way out did say that Utah fans were the worst fans in the league. So I, at first I was like, why are they booing him? And then I, oh yeah, that that's right. He, he did say that they were, um, the worst, uh, fans in the NBA. In fact, uh, the quote, I I have it, I, I looked it up. Their crowd might be the worst crowd to play in front of because it's just like, I know that crowd is just like, it's terrible (laughs) because I remember they used to boo Darren Williams. Uh, They used to boo me a lot. They used to boo a few other players and then none of them had a really, really good game. If you get, if you got booed, you always, you always have a bad game. So he just didn't like playing in Utah. Uh, he really, after he, he was traded, he was traded to OKC and he loves OKC, but the, the Utah fans, Utah fans can be tough, man. That that it's a passionate fan base. It's a real passionate fan base. If you're, if you're one of their favorites, they're going to love you, but that, that passion will say bleeds into some maybe less than savory behavior. And that exists in every city. I'm sure that exists plenty that even if I haven't heard about it in Boston, like there, there are plenty of people who take it to an extreme level, but Utah seems to be even, even at a different level than that. And so they'll, they'll boo Gordon Hayward forever. He'll, he'll be 70 years old in Utah for something and they'll boo him grabbing a coffee. 
Like that's, that's the level of anger there. Uh, but the Celtics did a, a fantastic job of getting through that. And Marcus Smart was very careful to say that this was a, a game that uh, the Celtics wanted to win for Gordon Hayward, especially because that's um, it's tough for uh, Hayward. It's tough for you know a guy that was still you know he he had his reasons for leaving and whatever that's it's a player's choice. But uh, having gone through the injury and all of that stuff, the Celtics I'm sure really wanted to make sure that they could get the win so Gordon Hayward could leave Utah with the win. And now the next step is Gordon Hayward going to Utah and having big games because he he did okay, but he didn't have a big game. Uh, Only shot four of 12. The shots came at pretty good times and, you know, he had five rebounds and two assists. So he, he was generally okay minus the missed shots. And, Maybe he was feeling it a little bit more than other guys because he was just short on everything in this game. But a nice a nice win for the Celtics and for Gordon Hayward. Going to wrap this up by talking about some of the other guys who made some unheralded contributions next. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Well, once again, Daniel Tice was a big factor in this. And uh, 16 points, 7 rebounds, and assists. He outplayed Rudy Gobert. How about that? Daniel Tice outplayed Rudy Gobert. He had a couple of putbacks, four offensive rebounds. Of those seven rebounds, four were offensive. Big putback dunk uh, late in the game, third quarter. Or maybe it was the fourth. I don't remember. Um, but it was uh, just a, a very impressive game by Daniel Tice. Um, he's He just continues to show his worth. And uh, I'm very happy that people can finally maybe shut up about needing a big. And the best part about this is the Celtics have him locked up next year for $5 million. And, you know, that's... That's a nice number for a guy that has been doing what everything that he's been doing. And now we're looking at the potential of getting Robert Williams back, who went through workouts before the game. You saw like Tom Westerholm tweeted out a video of him working out. He's he's jumping, he's flying around, he's he's really playing well right now. And so the Celtics center position looks a lot better than it did than we thought it would at this point. And if Rob can come back and be effective, then we don't have what happened in the second quarter where Ennis Cantor, I think, was, again, the catalyst for an opposing guard's run and you know playing a drop pick-and-roll coverage where Donovan Mitchell started to attack and get clean looks because – that's how Ennis Cantor has to play, and then all of a sudden Donovan Mitchell goes off, and the Celtics obviously withstood that. But that's something that uh, can't can't really happen that much, and it certainly can't happen in a playoff series where the Celtics um, they they just can't 
they can't have a player out there for extended period of time that is going to be uh, a detriment, that's going to be a net negative, that the, the other team can attack. So I thought the... Um, I thought that Daniel Tice and in the combination of him and and Grant Williams did a very nice job, and uh, the canter the canter damage was minimized, and he actually ended up playing better and and more like the guy that was playing well despite his limitations. So canter playing a little bit better than he has been recently is important. Uh, Got to shout out Brad Wanamaker, who had a big fourth quarter, uh, especially by Brad Wanamaker standards, but he went out there and hit a couple of shots. They, Brad Stevens says they actually ran a couple of plays for him in that fourth quarter that helped the Celtics kind of settle down. That He hit some some key shots that, you know, his five points, uh, Cantor had six, Smart had nine. I mean, Smart, Wanamaker, Cantor, were the guys that were carrying the offense in the fourth quarter. And so maybe maybe that's the most impressive thing that and and that can be impressive for Jason Tatum as well. That Jason Tatum gets blitzed, Jason Tatum gets double teamed. He plays the entire fourth quarter. They want to take the ball out of his hands, and so he gives it up and Marcus Smart goes off and Brad Wanamaker makes plays and Cantor gets a couple of buckets there, three of them. And the Celtics get production out of guys that, you know, non Tatum production. Tatum was one of four. The Celtics were 11 of 15 in that fourth quarter. Minus, you know, if you take Tatum's production out, that's, that's really, really good. And, a reminder that the Boston Celtics are more than just Jason Tatum. And it, and we know that we've, we've seen this game, this team, this entire season. So we know that this team isn't just Tatum this month. It's been mostly about him. Uh, this road trip has been mostly about him and the narrative switches very quickly. So it's very easy to fall into that trap of saying, Hey, this is, you know, this is Tatum's team. It's all about Tatum. And if you shut him down, then what happens? But Celtics doing a good job. Like, yeah, okay, you want to shut him down? Well, Jalen Brown will, will hit shots and Marcus Smart will hit shots. And now if you get Wanamaker in there and into the mix and you get Tice rolling and, and getting some some buckets and some easy finishes and you toss Robert Williams in there and Oh, by the way, Kemba Walker, who could come back and play on Saturday night. The Celtics are off on Thursday. They'll practice on Friday. And Kemba could be back and ready to play on Saturday. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe not. Nothing definitive. But they were saying that it's it's possible. Um, throw him into this mix. And now, now, now who do you guard? You know? So uh, it's... Impressive in that fourth quarter that not only did the Celtics at the end of this road trip pull away in a fourth quarter and outscore Utah by eight and extend their lead, they did it with guys other than Tatum. They did it without Kemba Walker. They did it with guys coming off of the bench 
which we've been, you know, we've been expressing a lot of consternation about the bench units. And here they come giving the Celtics production and much needed production. Uh, not a lot, not a ton, but something better than zero, <laughs> better than the 10 points that they were getting from, uh, from the bench before uh, in other games this series. So Wanamaker coming in and scoring eight and Cantor coming in and scoring eight, that's important. Uh, obviously, the bulk of the scoring was done by the starters. That's how it's always going to be with this team. But the bench stepping up down the stretch when they were needed is good. Like they, <laughs> obviously it's good, John. Um, but that's that's impressive. When the starting unit at the end of this road trip was, I don't know, I don't want to say gassed, but you know, neutralized to some degree. The bench came in and and did some things that were impressive. So the Celtics, I'm telling you, man, they they really they really did impress me. You have them uh, sitting here now in the third third seed, and the separation is is really evident now that Milwaukee is clearly the number one. Boston and Toronto, there's one game separating those two teams now. They're both winning more than 70% of their games. They're both equal in point differential. They both are 8-2 and two in their last 10. And Toronto, with all of their winning that they've done, only a game ahead of Boston. So that's the battle right there, 2-3. Miami, tough loss. Philly, another loss. Like they, those, those teams are just... I mean, I don't know who wants what there, but that that four, five, six is going to be interesting, especially if Boston, we don't know if they're going to be two or three. That six, seven is something to watch for. Um, that four, five, six, Miami, Philly, Indy, it's, it's two games that separates those three. Miami is a half game up on Philly. Philly just lost to Cleveland. I mean, come on. Um, they on the road, they're they're nine and twenty-one on the road. Um Indy could be in a position here to maybe sneak up a little bit, but if the Celtics stay third right now at this moment, it's Indy. It could be Philly. Um that would I would hope to avoid that. I really would like to avoid that personally. I know that they're a mess. I know that I know everything about like they they're they're hurt and I just I don't like the idea like let them lose to somebody else I'd rather just I I don't want to take that chance because the way the Celtics have looked against Philly this year minus that one game I'm not I'm not too thrilled about it so anyway that four five six uh, grouping is at some that's going to be the grouping. Somewhere in that four, five, six is going to be Miami, Philly, Indy, just the, what order. And then seven, eight is going to be Brooklyn and Orlando with a very outside shot of Washington. But I don't think Washington's got exactly what it takes to make a run. But they could be helped by Brooklyn or Orlando just falling apart. And Brooklyn could. Um, so it looks like, though, the eight East teams are set. 
And it's just a matter of where did the Celtics finish two or three and where do the other teams finish four, five, six, and do the Celtics ascend to a spot where they can get a two, seven matchup, which would be ideal. So we'll keep an eye on that. I'll keep an eye on that. We'll talk more about that. I want to thank everybody for sticking with the podcast. It gets a little tough on the road. I'm not going to lie. It gets a little tough on the road when you're, you're going from city to city and, um, there's, you know, post games that you you just kind of not in your comfort zone. So I apologize for the, the mix up yesterday and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, that's a one-off thing. So sorry about that, but back here and we'll be back for a Friday podcast as well. So subscribe, do that and share the podcast. Tell everybody, listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.